Welcome to Life Together, a podcast for Gresham Bible Church, where we exist to glorify God in being disciples who make disciples of all people through the transforming power of the gospel. I'm Mike Dahl, and with me today is Josh Howith. Good to see you, Mike. Good to see you, too. Yeah. So today on Life Together, we want to talk about worldview. So we're going to talk about what that is, why it's important. This won't be just a one episode. This will be a continuing conversation. So we're going to talk about worldview today. So here we go. So Josh, when we think about worldview, maybe, you know, hearing about that, talking with others about it, how would you help us think about it first? When someone talks about worldview, just kind of how would we hang our hat on that? What's a helpful way to think about that? Uh, Simply put, we're just talking about how somebody sees the world kind of the glasses through which you look around at life and try to make sense of life and and how it is that you should be living in light of what you're seeing. And and so everybody has a worldview. Everyone walks around with a worldview and, and interprets the world a certain way. And as Christians, we should have a, a fairly distinct worldview that's unique to the rest of the world. And so, I mean, that's why this topic is such a large conversation and mm-hmm. why we want to have it right out of the gate kind of because a lot of what we will end up talking about when we talk about what it means to take our beliefs, what the Bible's teaching us, our belief in the gospel and trying to put it on the ground, we're really talking about how are we supposed to view the world and live in it. And so this is such a massive conversation, but one that we're all experiencing and being affected by negatively and positively on a on a moment by moment basis. Yeah, that, that's yeah. How are helpful. you thinking about it right away? Yeah, same. Just thinking about what it is, but it's easy to just kind of go to like an academic sense of oh, worldviews like you're studying it, but that affects how we live out our faith as Christians in our time and place. So impacts how your non-Christian neighbors and family and friends see the world, how you see the world, and especially right now. I know I've heard it even over the last few months in this role, and I know my wife and I are even thinking through, wow, what is the kind of world our children are going to live in? And just seeing so many things changing, it feels like it's accelerating, but then to kind of zoom out and for us to really see it primarily first as Christians and not just reactionary of what's happening around us is something that's on my mind. Like when we look out for the culture around us, it seems like it's shifting and changing and accelerating and it can make one feel fearful or out of control. And so this conversation, I think, is a really good and important one that our Christian faith isn't divorced from our day-to-day experience in the world in which we live. So, yeah. Well, just thinking about how we just recorded a few different episodes on disagreement. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, a lot of our disagreement... It, we can both share a Christian worldview and disagree on things, that's for sure. It doesn't solve everything or make everything simple. But I think at, at some level, we've we've been experiencing this a lot where, you know, we can use like masks for an example for a second. Like somebody really believes like we shouldn't wear masks and they have their reasons why. And somebody thinks we absolutely should and they have their reasons why. And those people can talk to each other and they're, they're in a way they're seeing the world very differently. And you kind of reach these points where you're like, wow, I just, we don't see it the same way. And uh, what are we going to do about that? You know? And so, and I think you can be Christian and disagree even in that way, but we're, we're looking at the world a certain way. And when you disagree with somebody around what they're seeing, Mm -hmm. it just feels kind of difficult. It feels frustrating. And so in a real sense, we're just living in this like every day, aren't we? You know, just like, how do you see it that way? 
you know, yeah. from the smallest of things to pretty significant issues. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cause as Christians, we're always asking ethical questions about life, right? What is good? What is true? What is beautiful? What's right? What's wrong? Because we want to honor Jesus and image our creator and our savior. I think probably every generation of Christians has felt this tension, right? It feels confusing. It feels, well, what's the best way or right approach to this? And time and place we find ourselves, how can we not ask those questions? I know I'm having conversations with people often around these type of things. So our our purpose in bringing this up in the Life Together podcast today is to help us as a church start to think about things in terms of worldview and not just be reactionary in the moment, but to zoom out and know there's reasons why we're here in this place and to start to think along those terms and not just as a way that's defensive, but that's a way of being faithful as a church and as Christians in our time and place. So, yeah. Yeah. That's good. So, Josh, what are some questions you're hearing people asking around worldview? Maybe let's kind of like land that plane a little bit that's impacting people's day-to-day life or decisions. Hey, what about this? What should I do here? Any examples come to mind? Yeah, quite a few. I think, I mean, I could think from a, a personal level, just, you know, when you begin to consider, you know, some of the curriculum that people can read that's coming out maybe and going to be taught in public schools, mm-hmm. you know, me and my wife, you know, we're even, we even have to ask those questions like, how do we navigate this as Christian parents? Like we want our kids to grow up with a Christian worldview and we want our kids to love all people and we want them to be people who are beacons of light in this world. And, you know, we have that, that conviction, but we're also trying to consider, you know, is there, at what point, you know, should we consider pulling our kids out of public schools or, you know, that kind of idea. Um, and, and so I think on a parenting level with parents who have their kids in public schools, I know that beyond myself, other people are asking questions like that, mm-hmm. just with, a, I think, a good godly concern over their kids yeah. and how to raise them. Um, I think people maybe in their workplaces as it relates to other things that be, they're being told they need to use, whether they are confused around, should I use person's pronouns that they want to be called by if, if they really are biologically a man and they want to be called a woman, you know, like as a Christian, how do I navigate that? Mm-hmm. Or if my workplace is wanting to push an agenda that I have to somehow be a part of pushing that I think goes against my convictions and values and ethics as a Christian, how do I, can I work in that environment? Do I have to quit my job? So I just think as, as society changes and it's always changing, we get to these points where we rub up against okay, how do I respond as a Christian? I mean, the classic example was back in, I don't even know the exact year, but 2008, 2009, when, you know, people were pushing civil unions, you know, for for gay couples. And there was the big controversy over, should the woman have to bake a cake, you know, for a gay couple, you know? And that was like a different point in society. And I'm not saying that those conversations aren't even still being had, but that felt like a new Mm-hmm. conversation that came to the forefront. People were like, how, okay, what is my response as a Christian? How do I love people yet hold to certain convictions? And how do I navigate that? And there's not always a clear answer. And sometimes there is, but there's not always a simple, oh, you just clearly do this sort of way. So I, I think when it comes to gender and sexuality, those are some things that come to mind. What about you? What other things come to your mind? Yeah. Or you're hearing. Ra- yeah. Uh, multi-ethnic race relations comes to mind. Our culture's reaction around shaming 
and what voices are to be heard or not to be heard and why. Mm. So the culture has so much, you know, you're in, you're out, you're canceled, you're shamed, just interesting how we got here. And I think the point of our conversation is to just be candid and bring up these things that we're all seeing, we're all wondering about, and yet why did we get here? I think it's easy. I know I can feel the pull in my heart and some conversations I've had with people recently it's kind of like people are turning the page in a book to a new chapter. Like, wow, I never see that, saw this plot line coming. Where'd this come from? Mm-hmm. But when we really think about it, it's kind of not surprising why things are the way they are in our culture. And then what do we do with that as Christians? And how do we live that out and be faithful as a church and as individual believers? So I think yeah. that's a really good point, too. I mean, just with some of that new language that people are, you know, you, we, have to, we have to know the language. We have to mm-hmm. learn we're being told we need to learn this new language and there's certain things we should say. And if we don't say them rightly, there's a lot of fear around that because I'm going to be labeled a certain kind of person. And, and maybe I just, I don't know the language or, or maybe you actually do disagree with, with the agenda. And so, especially as I think it pertains to race, you know, I think there's a lot of Christians who rightfully are, you know, we're hearing examples and stories from brothers and sisters in Christ, especially who are being vulnerable and sharing some of their life experiences and how they've been mistreated or, and you rightfully want to have and come alongside them in compassion and, and kind of elevate their voice. And, and, and we, we, we don't want to live in a world as Christians where people are mistreated, especially for the color of their skin. And so uh, we know that racism is a sin. And so we can, we can come at these things from that Christian worldview. But then when we also see often the ways that the world is telling us we need to navigate those conversations, there's things that don't sit well with us, you know, mm-hmm. that we know from our Christian worldview that the the solution isn't what's being said to be the solution by our society, and so we struggle with that, or how do I navigate that as a Christian? Because, like you're saying, I'm going to be canceled, I'm going to be shamed. So I, I just think around all these, these are just sort of the hot topic issues, I think, but there's always a lot more. Definitely. And there's just a lot of fear around these things. You know, how do I navigate this? So uh, really important conversation, and that's why, in a way, we all just want simple answers to these questions. But it really always comes back to worldview. I mean, mm-hmm. the, I mean, this is kind of the 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 ground beneath our feet. You know, but probably the better analogy would be the glasses over our eyes. But yes. we have to think well about these things, yeah, for sure, and know that a Christian worldview is not going to be the same worldview as that of somebody in the world. Mm-hmm. So help us maybe lean into that a little bit or with those glasses on, take it a step further, maybe a microscope and look down a little bit further. So if if people in the culture, the culture saying, hey, this is good and this is not good, this is effectively worshipped or not worshipped, what's underneath that, right? So you don't just want to look at the thing right in front of you. It's what's behind it. What's beneath that is the real and best conversation. So why might, just to put a point on it, why might the culture see it good that someone can identify as whatever gender they feel they are? What's kind of behind that? I know we're not going to, you know, give the best answer in a short podcast, but maybe just help us not just see the what we're looking out and seeing oh this is an issue what's behind that issue why might certain things in our culture be seen as good yeah i don't want to be overly simplistic no Mm-mm. i mean these are massive and complicated conversations and f- for all the reasons why somebody 
would think a certain way. It, it's not just an, a simple response, but I think it's at least worth saying that they have believed something. They've viewed the world a certain way mm-hmm. that has caused them to believe this is good. And I think that's the hardest part for us as Christians. For an example, if someone's telling me I need to embrace, I need to approve of someone's transitioning in their gender, that I have to not only just love that person and still disagree with that choice, but I, I need to approve of it. That's hard because they're, they're calling something we would say that's actually not only unhelpful, that's not only not only the solution, but we'd call it more like evil. We'd call it, you know, embracing forms of sin, mm-hmm. right? And so to call something evil good, I think that's really challenging for us to, to be told that we have to approve of that. But at the end of the day, people who are pushing these things, it's probably difficult to see it from our lens, but they think they're actually doing good in the world. And I think oftentimes we view them as these really evil, malicious people that are out to get me, so to speak. But from a very real perspective, the, the ground beneath their feet that they stand on is, has informed them over time that pushing this sort of worldview on me is because they think this is good. They think this is going to solve problems. They think it's going to be contributing to the flourishing of society. And I think for myself, where I sit, as I, re- as I relate to and converse with non-Christians in this world, it really helps me to at least come at it from that perspective. When I can have these conversations with people, be friends with these people, love these people, yes. it, help- it disarms me to just go, they think they're doing good. And I actually want to do good in the world. And we have different definitions of that, but at least helps get me into a, a compassionate place maybe. Yeah. Uh, versus a just a really fearful, demonizing them sort of place. Yep. Even though I would vehemently disagree with them on some things, right? I think that's so important, and we might all give intellectual assent to that, but to actually live that out, that when we talk worldviews, it's not just certain isms of the world or like you're trying to figure out a Rubik's cube. Did I say that right? Problem. For sure. It's, it's about specific people who have specific hopes and desires. And when a culture shapes and forms people that all desires are good, well, what do we think is going to happen from that? And so to love is our intent in this conversation. And Lord willing, it's our posture and our desire as Gresham Bible Church is that as we think through things like this, that it's out of love. And I was going to read this later, but I think it's important now in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, he gives this description of all these things people were and did. And then Paul writes, and such were some of you but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So as we talk about worldviews and how people behave in the world, how you act, how you speak, such were some of us, such are were some of all of us, yet because of Jesus. And so when we talk worldviews, we're talking about it in terms of love and we serve a missionary God, and we want to see not us and them, the other, the enemies. Outside of Christ, we're all enemies of God. And so I just, I know we'd all probably like nod our head listening to this podcast, yes, but in our time and place, there's forces pulling against us 
to put up fences in our heart, and I just want to lean into what Scripture would call us to be as we talk about worldviews. Absolutely. Yeah. The Just to echo kind of what you read, I mean, that was written by Paul himself. That reminded me of in First Timothy, just when Paul is informing Timothy on how to live and minister in this world. I mean, he, he be, begins earlier in that letter saying, you know, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Just, I mean, that mentality, it's not like he's trying to get hit there. That's just how he sees himself. Yes. Like he, at the end of the day, as he's looking around the world, he probably sees massive amounts of issues. There's so many people that need to hear the gospel his posture still, and even ministering with the gospel, is not, look at all these horrible, evil people and look how great I am. It's He still is able to have this deep understanding of, man, I am the foremost. Amen. And the good news is, is that Christ came in the world to save sinners, and that means me. Yes. That'd be yeah. a great verse to have on your bathroom mirror every morning yeah. and start your day with, right? <laughs> yes, right. or at least for yeah. me. Yeah. And so we talk about that. You know, I mean, one of our distinctives as a church, we want to value the fact that we, we believe everyone needs the gospel, especially me. Amen. And, and that it's our worldview that actually gives that information to us and that shapes us that way. And when we can stand on that ground and realize that that's the ground we're standing on, no matter who I'm talking to, it really helps. Because that's the problem with this worldview conversation is someone has a different worldview than me, and we're trying to feel it out. We're trying to figure out, okay, what can we even stand on together mm-hmm. to find common ground? You know, you think of like a creaky board or something, like I just need to like be able to stand on it so we can level out for a second to actually have a conversation. And that's the common ground that we all share with each other. And maybe that person doesn't realize it, but at least from my perspective, I can realize that about, realize that about myself. Yeah. And at least postures me in such a way that they go, these people, th- try, they think they're doing good. Yeah. They're not, but... Yeah, this I, is <laughs> it's so good. I think you said it before that it kind of lifts a burden off our shoulders just to speak about these things. We all live in this world. We have a view of it. Hence, we all have a worldview. And so let's talk about it as Christians, right? What does it mean to live distinctively Christian in our time and place? How do we interact in our in our world as you go to the grocery store, as a, as a mom, a dad, a worker, a student? So this stuff's really important. So we wanted to give a few like placeholders or common things that, yeah, I resonate with that to talk about worldview. But then let's kind of move the conversation along. How would you help us think about a Christian worldview? a framework as Christians to see the world that is consistent with Scripture and that glorifies God. As Christians, we want to be thinking about what's a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview or a Christian worldview can be interchangeable words. Mm -hmm. And from one perspective, it goes back to our gospel, Why the Gospel Matters episode, when we talked about what is the gospel. Because from a, you know, story of the world storyline, plotline, we, we remember that there was a God who's creator before anything existed. He created the world. It was perfect. So we were made in the image of God, and yet through sin that entered the world through Adam and Eve, we are all born into that sin because of the fall of man. But there's this redemption that can be had in Christ, and one day we know the world is moving towards a new creation. So I mean, that's like a really quick snapshot of just that creation, fall, redemption, new creation storyline that the Bible tells us about. So the Bible has told us a story about how the world was made, 
or who made the world and why the world was made fundamentally. It's who made the world and why, but then also where we're all going and, and how this whole thing ends. And so when I, when I think about that and when I see the world through that lens, it really changes a lot. It changes what I fundamentally see is wrong with the world. How can what is wrong with the world be put right? What am I hoping in? What am I, what am I hoping I'll see at the end of the day, at the end of my life, at the end of time? What are we going for here? And God has communicated and revealed to us understanding of what all that is. I don't want to know all the ins and outs and all the details, but I, I have a real clear understanding of, of what all this is and what this is leading towards. And it all begins with God's glory and it ends with us beholding his glory and worshiping him. And so it really informs a lot. And so just from a Christian worldview, there's a lot more that can be said that we can talk about even right now if we need to, but just that creation, fall, redemption, new creation. I mean, that's what we're told is the story of the world. And I need to be thinking of the world in that way. Yeah. And when we see it through that lens, we see people rightly and situations rightly in the world around us rightly. We think about Christians, if God is a creator and the sustainer of everyone and everything, that our Christian faith scriptures speak to all of this and how to think about it best. Some other things, too, I mean, just when it comes to worldview and framework, I mean, it's just helpful to say that in a general, a worldview not only tells a story or explains the world, like a Christian worldview, we just we just talked about that, but every worldview is telling a story. It's giving an explanation for the world and why it is the way it is. But all worldviews, even a Christian worldview, is is trying to give answers to questions like, where are we heading? You know, it's trying to give answers to questions like, what should we be doing? All worldviews give you an answer to that, whether it's a secular worldview or a like a, like a religious worldview. Different worldviews are going to tell you how you should go about accomplishing those things. And and worldviews also are trying to define for us what is true, what is false, what is good, what is evil. And so every worldview is giving definition to those things. So it is is giving us that sort of framework of story, Mm -hmm. uh, an explanation for the world and what's wrong with it. But it's also telling me what I should do and how I go about accomplishing that and what's good and bad, true and false. So worth saying. Yeah, no, that's really good. And there's an overlap, and we'll talk about this later in terms of worldview and how that informs our life as believers and specifically in terms of evangelism and how we share the gospel with those around us. So if the Christian worldview gives us that lens, right, to see the world and see other people, that we're all wanting to have our lives live in consistency with that worldview, whether people know it or not, whatever presuppositions they have are behind that worldview. Where's my hope? What's the problem I'm trying to fix? What's that solution to that problem, right? That's the narrative in any advertisement is you have this problem, here's a solution, here's the the outcome, you're heaven on earth, right? And that's why you then displace yourself from the money that they want you to displace yourself from. But think about, you had shared with me, Josh, recently, an uh, example you had heard about, you know, we think about worldviews. These are real people that we have different worldviews from in terms of Christian, non-Christian. And sometimes, at least for me, if we're being honest, you know, certain things in the world like this is wrong or this and not saying it's not wrong, but sometimes we have this tendency to want non-Christians to live like Christians. That in if kind of we want certain behavior rather than someone's heart. So you'd shared with me a testimony you'd heard recently where the focus from the Christian to the non-Christian wasn't on someone's behavior 
could you kind of walk us through that a little bit? I thought that was a helpful story. Yeah, when we think of the creation and fall aspects of the Christian worldview, I mean, we're remembering that God made human being as sort of that crown of creation that the Psalms talk about, the made in his image to reflect his glory. And then because of the fall, we were, we were born with this, we talk about total depravity, right? That our hearts are just bent away from God, and so we have this sin. So that imaging of God is, is severely tainted, but it's not completely lost. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not as bad as we absolutely could be. That's not what total depravity means, that I'm totally bad in every way possible. You know, there's aspects of every human being where we still can image God. That's why I don't need to pick apart when someone loves someone in a certain way. I don't need to go, well, you know, I don't need to like really pick apart like how they were unloving in that act, so to speak, but I can go, yeah, that was really good. And so, so anyways, all to say, we're just talking about the idea that everyone has this intrinsic value and worth and is equal, mm-hmm. you know, before God. And so the, the story that you're probably referring to is the story of Rosaria Butterfield and how she was a Syracuse professor, I think literature professor, open lesbian, living that lifestyle and really antagonistic towards the gospel, but was befriended by a pastor and his wife and would often be invited over for meals at his house. And testimonially from them, you know, it was asked of this pastor, because Rosaria over time came to faith in Christ and kind of left that lifestyle and is now living a lifestyle seeking to honor God and in the way that God's designed for marriage and sexuality and things like that. And so this pastor and his wife who had helped lead Rosaria to faith were asked, you know, that whole time when you would have her over to your house. So you got to imagine again, like a, a very smart, brilliant, academic lesbian who's pushing, actively pushing this like feminist, you would say feminist agenda. When she's coming over to your house, are you really concerned about trying to convert her from her lesbianism or something? You know, that, is that really on your mind a lot? And this pastor just said, not really, because we knew that wasn't really what Rosaria needed. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's hard to, it's not that he was unaware of her lifestyle and how she was living and what she believed and how she was spending her time even pushing for that in the academic sphere, but that he really understood at the end of the day, our Christian worldview tells us that fundamentally what I need to be saved from is my sin, not just the places where I identify because of my sin or that all these things are kind of these symptoms, you know, they're not the fundamental problem. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, if Rosaria chose to come to his worldview and renounced her, you know, lesbian lifestyle, for example, but she never converted to Christ, what's the point? I mean, and so at the end of the day, when you think of it that way, like what does this person fundamentally need? What's really going to make a difference in their life? She needed Christ and she heard of Christ and received Christ, and her life radically changed. So he didn't have to really convince her on that front that most of us, that's all we see, you know, if we're being honest. And honestly, just thought came to my mind as you were speaking, too, about how so often we want to see people's lifestyles change. We want them to hold to our views, but honestly, we want them to do that because it makes our lives easier. Yep. So we don't have this like deep love for someone. We don't have this love that I want you to know Christ. I want you to be free. I want you to be a new creation in Christ. Our, our issue is like, I don't want you to damage my life. I don't want you to just damage my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're so concerned with our own ease and our own way of life that we long for that I actually am not viewing you as made in the image of God. I'm not loving you in that way. Yeah. And that's not to say that 
you know, when we're talking about like our kids and what schools they should go to, I have a deep love for my kids and I care about them. And there is a rightful parenting of how I want to raise them and influence them. And it's not that I should say like I should sacrifice them on the altar or something of someone else, but Mm -hmm. that's not what I'm saying at all. But we are talking about understanding what people actually need. And so if my fundamental problem is I've sinned and that's why the world is the way that it is and the fundamental solution was that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I think of John chapter two, I believe, where John says to Jesus when he comes out to the river to be baptized, behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. He is the final sacrifice, right? The, the blood of the Lamb. I mean, if that is my solution is the blood of the Lamb. I, I need a new King, a new Lord, and through that cross I have him. Then that's what everybody else needs. And so... Anyways, I'm kind of rambling now, but as a, <laughs> but no. I, uh, yeah, we can talk about this all day, the gospel at least. Yeah, and worldview, you've said it, Josh, and I love how you framed it, that God has a worldview, and his worldview is lived out in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Right. And so we're to image our good God, and so our worldview should ultimately be God's worldview. So this is an important conversation. You know, one can learn about different isms of the world and think about it this way. Like if you were called to be a missionary in a foreign country and you're going to be there next year, man, you'd go to town on learning about that culture and that time and place and all of it because you want to know those people well to be an effective missionary. That's the kind of mindset we need here in East County is what are these big macro factors that are forming people, us included, into think certain things are good and desire certain things because ultimately we want people to come to know Jesus, the only hope for the nations. And so that's true here now too. So I just, just that interplay of it, you know, worldview, I don't think it's just worldview, it's worldview to inform mission, to advance the gospel. So that's why this is so important, the conversation. That's a really helpful way of thinking about it. Like if I was a missionary in a foreign context, yeah. because even when you try to learn about someone else's culture, you don't do it so that you just pick it apart and just, you know, go in front of them and just, this is horrible about your culture and this is horrible about your culture and this is wrong <laughs> yeah. and this is wrong. No, you do so, so that you go, okay, I understand where this person's coming from, but I want to give them the good news. Mm-hmm. And so you're trying to help people navigate it from that, from that angle. And so you learn to try to appreciate the things you can appreciate to find some place of common ground, even if you're not, if it's not exactly common ground. Like I I think about Muslim friends I've had over the years and they, they're monotheists. They believe in one God and as Christians, we're monotheists, but we believe in a Trinitarian God. And so I wouldn't say that we have the same view of monotheism, but I at least see that's a place of starting point. They believe in a God who they fear that made all things and so I go, that's a place that we can start from in our conversations, even if we disagree on what it means to be monotheist, yep. if that makes any sense. So you're just constantly looking for that. But but that's like a different perspective. Like when you're framing it in the way of a missionary when in a foreign context, they're thinking in terms of offense, not just defense. They're not thinking in terms of preservation, but advancement. Yes, They're not man. thinking in terms of like just self-protection, but love. Yes. You know, something drove you to sell all you had, so to speak, and move to that context to give people a gospel that you've never even heard their name before, yeah. but maybe they've never heard the name of Jesus, and I want them to hear his name. Yeah, amen, amen. Yeah, the topic of worldview is so important for every generation of Christians. I know it feels like it's now more than ever. I don't know, God's sovereign, but it is important for us in our time and place 
to know worldview and how that informs how we live out our Christian faith. How about as we kind of move to a close here, we've talked about worldview of maybe the world around us, broadly speaking, right? Painting with really broad brushstrokes. And then as Christians, here's briefly a Christian worldview and maybe the motive or heart behind that worldview. How does some of this land or apply in our day-to-day life right now as Christians? Just pastorally speaking for Gresham Bible Church, Josh, what are some things that that would come to mind? And maybe we'll go back and forth on that. Yeah, I think a lot could be said and it's hard to nail down what maybe needs to be said because I don't want to give off this impression that there aren't real difficult decisions that are going to need to be made in our people's lives Mm -hmm. in the coming days and years. I mean, I don't want people to think, maybe you need to think about homeschooling your kids if that's what you think is best for them. Maybe you Mm -hmm. do need to, we need to figure out how to start a school, you know, (laughs) or, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe those things need to be done. Maybe, you're going to need to find a new job. Mm-hmm. Those are legitimate ethical answers to some of our wrestling to hard questions. But with that said, we must realize that a Christian worldview should be shaping within me a heart that's moving towards people, not away from them. So even if I'm making decisions that I need to quit my job, I need to pull my kids out of school, even if I'm doing that, it better not mean because I'm pulling myself away from others. Amen. We talked about this earlier today, but just when we think about, like you just mentioned it, but at a simple level, God has a worldview. God has a way of seeing the world that he made. And his view of the world and all of its brokenness and cursedness because of the fall, it drove him closer to us. I mean, God himself took on flesh and lived among us. He you know, called out the people who were self-righteous in their religion and isolating themselves because they thought they were better than other people. And he ate with tax collectors and sinners, not because he was joining in what they were doing, but because he wanted, he, he knew that he came to, as a physician, to those who were sick and knew they are sick. And so my, my worldview, if I'm living according to a Christian worldview, should be pushing me closer to people, not pulling me away from them. We've talked about this, just to be blunt, that there's some lingo going around in the Christian world that says, I need to get out of Babylon, as if East County or Portland itself is Babylon. I mean, Babylon in the Bible is is a symbolic city that represents the world. And if I understand what that means then, from beginning to end, beginning with kind of Egypt and Pharaoh is kind of that first image of Babylon all the way down through that ugly adulteress or prostitute in Revelation, I mean... If I understand that Babylon is just a symbol for the world, man, I can never get out of Babylon. I can move to the hills, but there's parts of Babylon in my heart. Amen. And so, so all to say is I think we can, a Christian worldview shouldn't be informing this mentality or this way of seeing the world that I got to get out of a place and then I'll be better. I'm just exchanging my sin potentially, or I'm exchanging one culture for another and it's just sin in different clothing idea. And so at the end of the day, we have to make some hard decisions, and sometimes those hard decisions involve pulling out, involve quitting a job, involve other sorts of issues, involve severing myself from a relationship for a season. At the end of the day, a Christian worldview should not be pulling me away from people that God has made in His image that need the gospel. It should be pushing me towards them. Yep. That's a lot to reflect on and chew on. 
for sure and important in our time and place. And just want to encourage us as we're thinking about worldviews, there's a lot to learn, right? You want to be informed and why is this culture the way that it is all good and and we want to be informed and love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to encourage us as a church too. It's a classic example. You've probably heard it multiple times, probably shared it for those with kids already, but how do you know a counterfeit by knowing the real thing first? And so we need to know the real thing, God in his word, how much he loves us, what you just talked about, the actions the God of the universe took to save us, to take on flesh. Like we need to be so gospel soaked that then we know false gospels around us. And then it's not, Oh, shake our fist at them and put up a fence. And now I'm safe. It's no, they need Jesus just like I do. And when all things come to an end at the end of time, I don't want to have a regret that I pulled away out of self-preservation. Again, doesn't mean you don't make prudent, wise decisions, but what's my posture? Am I looking to be saved by keeping myself unstained from the world? Well, guess what? If I didn't have a sinful heart, Christ didn't need to die for Mm -hmm. me. So yeah, this is something I think both you and I are passionate about. We could have a long podcast episode here. So yes. We could have many. I loved your gospel-soaked image, though. It kind of made me think of how last, I think it was last Saturday, it was a really nice day. And we were washing our cars because they were disgusting. (laughs) And we were outside. And every time the kids want to help me wash the cars, and I welcome it, even though it means double work for me. But, you know, I'm spraying the car and rinsing it down. And every single time the kids are like, Dad, you got me wet. You got me wet. And I always tell them, like, hey, if you're going to be near a car wash, you're going to get wet. Right? Like, that's what this thing is. We're washing a car. You're going to get wet. And I think that's true, like, we're talking about being gospel-soaked. If I'm saturated in a Christian worldview, if I'm in the scriptures, if who God is and how he has seen the world and entered into it is saturating my soul, then when people get near me, they're hopefully going to get a little gospel wet, you know, that kind of idea, because that's just how it works, right? Yeah. And so kind of who I am is exposing the worldview that I'm living with. Yeah. So if I want to know what I'm worldview is for me, I kind of just look at my life and what kind of <laughs> perspiration yeah. am I giving off to other people? Yes. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 God is our true north. And praise God for that. So yeah. Gresham Bible Church, I hope this has been a helpful episode for you. We'd welcome any questions or feedback or input input on the Life Together podcast. If you have any specific questions, hey, what do you mean by worldview? What about this? That's a whole point of why we're even doing this podcast is so we have, you know, conversations as a church family. So please don't hesitate to reach out and you can do that by reaching out to me at Mike at GreshamBible.org. And lastly, just want to give another thank you to our friends at Humble Beast for the great music that we use on this podcast. Hope you have a great week. Until next time.